What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Third Degree Podcast. This is the second episode of Ball and Barrel. Super suited, super, super excited because this is the first time having a, a guest on, the first inaugural guest of Ball and Barrel, my friend Zach Myers. Zach, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself real quick, man? Well, Dylan, first off, thank you for the invite and uh, letting me join the podcast and share, you know, my insight and take on college sports um, from Ohio originally. Uh, obviously, we uh, go back, you know, way back with some fantasy football, you know, may have kicked your butt this past year, you know, taking second place, but, you know, we won't go there quite yet. Um, but no, grew up in Ohio, been a sports fan for a very long time. Browns fan, so don't hold it against me. Um, but stuck through them through tough and rough waters over the years. But um, definitely excited for uh, this upcoming season of college football and what it's got to offer. So that's great to hear. And I see you sipping on some bourbon. I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you a cheers real quick, sir. Uh, pretty much uh, within the ball and barrel segment, I just like to tell people a little bit. Of, oh, of course, let me. Uh, take a sip of course i'd be rude not to so i just want to obviously tell the little people just what i'm drinking so what i'm drinking is a little bit of that uh that will it pot still reserve so that pretty much that initial uh nose is going to be a little bit more of the um you know like caramel and a little bit more like just that vanilla oak and the taste is a little buttery have that spice and you know just a good bit of that caramel and just kind of just swirls everything and obviously the finish has a little bit of a spice and, you know, just that buttery, just, you know, just a, such a warmth. It's one of those things that you can pour it on your pancakes and tell your mom about your week, or you can brush your teeth with it. Uh, I saw my friend Matt Moscona had on um, his little uh, uh, advertisement for a uh, Willet pot still. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I figured I might as well just go ahead and just stick with the Willet theme and just pour myself some pot still as well. What you sipping on? Uh, I just, uh, you know, a little low end stuff tonight. I got a little bit of bullet, uh, uh, bullets always good. Bourbon, so, you know, it's a classic. It's good for me, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night with, you know, work in the morning. So keep it right. a little more yep. simple tonight. <laughs> well, I understand Zach. I know, especially with your work, you're definitely a busy man. I definitely won't keep you, but uh, again, I'm so excited that you, uh, that you wanted to come on. I actually wanted to um, start off the podcast with an article that you sent me, and we're just going to just jump right into it, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, earlier today, uh, Zach sent me an article uh, based on just a little bit of the NCAA guidelines as far as the uh, the sanctions and a little bit more of the transfer portal window. So, last year, I talked about on the initial episode of Ball and Barrel how right now there's just no guidelines. It's just the wild, wild west, and everyone's just a little bit having a free-for-all. Well, it's funny that Zach actually has the perfect timing as he normally does. Was <laughs> he sends me an article as far as that they're actually just meeting today specifically and actually started off a little bit of how those guidelines and a little bit of how those transfer windows are going to just um, going to play out. Now, Zach, I have my own little initial notes, but why don't you go ahead and dive in a little bit deep and tell us a little bit about a little, like, you know, the article that you sent me, a little bit of what you were digging into, and just give us an insight of just uh, what people are thinking with that. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that they're kind of in putting in two different uh, platforms now moving forward with the NCAA across the board. One with sanctions and rule violations, um, kind of putting it back to the teams and the schools to kind of self 
regulate kind of the smaller instances, the bigger issues will still be kind of sent out to the bigger boards to review and, and you know, if, you know, FBI, things like that will be kind of taken into place, but um, they do want them to kind of self-regulate. But the biggest thing I took away was the transfer portal. Um, some regulations and guidelines on that specifically uh, instead of like football, um, they're only going to have a 45 day window to um, from the after championship is, is ended to announce and, and enter into that transfer portal. Um, they will have another opportunity, another window of about 15 days starting on May 1st, to the 15th, um, which is definitely, again, an opportunity where it kind of, like you said, it, it kind of sets into a little bit of rules and regulations and it's not, you know, the wild, wild west, if you will, to just a crapshoot to choose and go whenever you want to. Um, an interesting fact too, that I saw and read into there was that, uh, when they elect a transfer, um, those athletes are actually going to get financial aid guaranteed through the, until they graduate. Um, which is something that I found was, you know, especially given NIL deals are in there now in place, like that opportunity as well for them to get that financial aid and get their schooling covered and for the universities to basically implement that, um, desire to, you know, push towards the education as well as, you know, the sports side of it, I thought was pretty interesting as well too. So that was kind of some of the key takeaways I got from that. Um, they didn't make a statement that is going to be kind of ever flowing. They, they, they're open to potentially, um, some multiple transfers, but it d does depend. Um, they haven't ruled that out yet as a possibility, but as of right now, it is limited to just one for all college athletes. So, that's fascinating, Zach, especially how um, the financials are actually a little bit more of a factor as well. So that's a little bit in my takeaway is the NCAA's um, own uh, official but unofficial NIL deal to basically just say, like, all right, well, you know, we're not going to have any brand building NIL deals, but at least like for the financial part of your education, we'll take care of that for you where you don't have to really worry about that. So I think that's a little bit more of a... I think that's the NCAA way of just simply acknowledging that they're dying and dying fast. Yep. So they might as well at least just kind of just go out with some good conscience after really just kind of just, I guess, exploiting a little bit of just the student athlete body that it has for so long. But speaking of exploiting, that actually brings us into a little bit of my next topic and how uh, it's funny how it already just plays into what we're already talking about. And that's how um, Texas and Oklahoma are actually uh, thinking of leaving. There was a news early, or they're already leaving, but they're thinking of leaving early. So yeah. as of today, um, there was reports saying out that Texas and Oklahoma are actually, uh, even though they're slated to leave in 2025 where their contract ends, there's actually more of an aggressive push. And that's what the terms that we're using, aggressive push to possibly even get them started into the SEC play in 2024. Do you have any insight on that? Uh, I, had, I was actually just leaving that myself too, so... Um, it obviously is a speculation right now. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how aggressive they become in their push to make this happen, um, given that they do have that contract. Um, but I mean, again, kind of on the side note, you know, you look at the Big Ten and that push for seven billion dollars that you know comes into play. That they, you know, is this something that the SE is looking at on the back end from them in the future to, you know, help offset that potential? I mean, I'm. If they make that push, you know there's going to be a fine. There's going to be money spent by those schools to get over to there. So is there a deal coming that can offset that? And that's something that only time's going to tell us if we get a deal like that for the SEC and only would speculate that that would be even bigger than what it was for the Big Ten. So, 
Well, I've actually kind of already started digging into that, my friend, already, just because I'm the kind of person that just can't just sit around and just wait for stuff like that to unfold, especially when it comes to finances and uh, TV deals. That's a little bit more of my, uh, I guess, an unspoken pleasure that I like to follow along with. So tying into what you're saying as far as a, uh, I guess, an exit fee would be a little bit of what you're looking for. So Texas and Oklahoma right now would have to pay an $80 million exit fee if they were to enter the SEC just within uh, the, the next year. Yeah, that's a lot of coin. But Zach, there's also a little bit of a growing urgency for um, what we'll talk about here in a little bit, how um, ESPN is actually wanting to uh, redo and Fox are redoing their deals with the Big 12 and dealing with a little bit of how they want to do. So I think that's a little bit why there's an aggressive push for Oklahoma and uh, or in Texas to leave. That way, at least for the Big 12's perspective, they can at least sell off to their potential buyers, essentially, that it's like, all right, they're already done, but here's you know, they're, they're out, but here's who we have coming in. Here's the vision that we have for a possible five or 10 year plan. And it also gives, um, cause I believe the initial people that are coming in are, I believe it's BYU, Houston, uh, Cincinnati, I know is coming in and, uh, UCF. So you have these group of five, uh, teams and also, uh, BYU coming in, which is really going to help because especially if Cincinnati, yeah, they made the playoff last year. They have a big, juicy matchup this week, and obviously Luke Fickle's still there being the coach of the year. Houston is supposed to apparently run the group of five and run the AAC, just kind of like how uh, Cincinnati did last year. Maybe not make the college football playoff, but at least make a little bit of the same noise. And UCF has Gus Malzahn, and right now they're just vibing. You know, they're obviously, of course, close to Orlando. You know, you're just kind of just checking out all the exhibits, you know, taking in all those beach vibes. And right now they're just with the Big 12. So at least the Big 12 is has a plan to at least, I guess, uh, sell all, or at least a selling point that they will to at least just give to ESPN and Fox that it's like, okay, again, Oklahoma and Texas are gone, but here's who we have coming in. Here's also who we are thinking about as far as possible extension. But, you know, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, what, what was your takeaway from that? Um, yeah, like I said, the takeaway for me, the Oklahoma and Texas moving early, um, not fully surprised to see them do it, uh, even with that exit fee, like you mentioned, of the $80 million, which, again, is, is definitely a chunk of a change for even those programs. But um, I, I, I'm not shocked to see it. Um, I expect it will happen in 2024, um, depending on you know, whatever those exit fees end up being, whatever they make off their deals going into the SEC. Uh, but I think for the SEC, it's a smart play. It brings in some two high-caliber um uh, programs, um, you know, they've kind of, you know, they got the top tier, you know, their mid tier is a little bit kind of okay. And then, I mean, their bottom tier is definitely not there. So I think it brings in some solid programs with some history that can help re, you know, solidify the SEC, you know, where they kind of are at the top right now in, in college football. Um, and like you said, with the teams, big 12 is bringing in, I think it, you know, I know they're not those storied teams, but, you know, look at Cincinnati this last year, you know, making no that noise and, and topping it, cranking out in the top four in the CFP, you know, the first, you know, power five school group to do it is, you know, would be a big win in my opinion for the big 12, if they could, you know, if that move happens too. So. Zach, what makes college football great? I believe are those Cinderella stories. So last year you have your Cincinnati, you know, at least, at least keeping the conversations going up until Christmas of, 
should they get in or should they not get in? And, you know, everyone loves that because, you know, it's hard not to root for the underdog. Dodgeball has taught us that rooting for the underdog is always a smart, reckless, but eventually, hopefully, a good ROI. But, you know, not all people can be Peter LaFleur taking down the good white Goodman and all together. But it doesn't really matter within that case. But it actually brings me to kind of like what we're already just like talking about as far as just how the alignment and just the TV deals are going. The SEC doesn't need any more buildup. I mean, we live in SEC country. We already know. But, you know, but you're more of a Big Ten person. But it's interesting because I want to go away from what we know and go to something that's a little bit more of an unknown. And I want to, I actually want to kind of stick with the big 12. So we were just kind of talking about that Fox and ESPN have uh, entered negotiations early to talk about their TV media right deals. And I think ESPN's kind of feeling a little, you know, kind of feeling a little like, uh, like Robbie from the wedding singer, you know, kind of got left at the altar, no phone call, no show up, you know, love stinks right now. That's just, I mean, the, the, the big 10 just, you know, just said, bye, like, we don't need you. We don't, we, we have nothing. We don't want anything to do with you. You know, money talks and right now is yeah. CBS and Fox and NBC and Peacock. They got some money right now. So, but uh, you know, the SEC doesn't need to talk about, well, again, like more focus on the Big 12. So Fox and ESPN have now, I guess, uh, collectively got to an agreement to basically just pay for their TV media rights deals. Now, Zach, what I find interesting about this is that they actually have about three years left on their current deal, and they could already enter negotiations, if not get out of that contract two years prior. So I actually think that's a little bit more of an incentive for a Big 12, specifically um um, uh, Brett Yarmock, the, uh, the commissioner of the big, big 12. I think that's where he's trying to kind of get a, a little bit ahead of this. Like he's trying to actually set up narrative, like, okay, well we have everyone bringing in, but again, we're not done. Like we, we could possibly try to poach the pac 12 again. You know, there was already like, kind of like that online, like kind of like joking around, you know, like, Hey, pac 12, you up like kind of a deal. Like it was, I mean, hey, it, it was good to follow along with, I believe. But I mean, there there could be like there could be a little bit of truth to that. You know, it was almost like um, like do you remember what it was like when uh, like when the Big East was kind of like dying, and all of a sudden like the ACC just came in and just swooped in. Yeah. All exactly. So I I kind of feel like that it could be almost be like that for the Pac-12 and. You know, we'll talk about, you know, the Pac-12 a little bit later, but that also shapes up, uh, Zach, I believe, more of that that power realignment that we saw that, okay, it's like, okay, well, it's uh, not only the SEC and the Big 12 or the Big 10 that, you know, we're accustomed to, but possibly the Big 12 making their, you know, making their presence known. And we can't forget about the ACC. I mean, people do, but Clemson's still Clemson. I personally believe that, Mario Cristobal in Miami is a sleeping giant and every day someone's just poking that giant and it's only a matter of time until it wakes up, you know? So, I mean, it just kind of realigns more of that power four and, you know, we'll talk about the PAC 12 here in a little bit, but I mean, what do you think that that actually gives a little bit more of an incentive for Oklahoma and Texas to maybe even suck it up and just pay that $80 million fine? Cause they know they're about to get much more money through the sec or do you think they'll actually literally just stick with it till 2025, even though the it seems like now the Big 12 commissioners even trying to force their uh, Oklahoma and Texas out? 
No, I, like I said earlier, I, I believe it, it, it'll, they'll take that buyout. They'll, they'll pay the fee, the exit strategy, get themselves moved over to the SEC where there's bigger money probably for them at the end of the day too. Um, and I think, again, when, that, when this all started to align, to me in my, in my thought process was, does the Pac-12 survive or does the Big 12 survive? One of those two conferences right. was going to come out the winner. Um, initially, I thought it was going to be the Pac-12 because Oklahoma and Texas were already out the door. But then, you mean the Big 12 or the Big 12? Yeah. Um, yeah, you go. And then with, and then you know, not too far after that, you know, you have UCLA and um, oh, now it's USC. USC going to the Big Ten. So now it's like it's huge. It's, it's two power schools from both of those conferences that are exiting. Man, a lot of good times right now in, uh, in college football. Um, so <laughs> because of my little uh, little mishap, ladies and gentlemen, Zach and I actually, or I have to do a little bit of uh, extra editing. Zach was nice and uh, who's patient enough to stick with me here. So because of uh, my little mishap with editing, I'll just have to, have to swing back around to uh, Utah and Florida, simply just saying how Utah is the uh, just the, the Cinderella story. I think that Utah is going to win that game. I don't really need to dig too deep into it, as we were already just kind of talking about how they're the Cinderella story and a little bit of how they are. But, um, Zach, I'm pretty sure that you have Utah winning as well, just saying that even though that you don't look at them as a Cinderella story, and I do, right? Correct, yeah, I do. Um I, I do see Utah winning it, and I think they win it by more than the three-point spread that they're at right now. I think that's kind of a maybe a slap in the face or, or uh, betting lines thinking that Utah's not the program that everyone else thinks it is. But, yes, Utah wins, and I think they win by more than three for sure. Well, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to lie, Zach. I hope they do it. Like, I hope Utah at least – at least they have the 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 same storyline as Cincinnati did last year. Just up until December, stay in the conversation of should they or shouldn't they. That's just what college football needs. Just stay in that conversation. Just lead to more discussions so that we can have discussions and then we can go on our like platforms like this and actually just talk about what we need to as far as actually again, should they or shouldn't they? And. Speaking of uh, should they or shouldn't they, we have to transition to uh, Arkansas and Cincy. <laughs> Again, editing mishap. So we talked about how uh, Fayetteville will be rocking. Jukebox is going to be playing. Sam Pittman's going to be doing everything with his elite coaching. The coaching that they have back in Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom have been tremendous continuity. I think that K.J. Jefferson is an underrated Heisman uh, finalist. Uh, yes, I said finalist, not just <laughs> a contender. We talked about how Bumper Pool is going to be running the defense. Um, I'm picking Arkansas to win this game, but then again, I understand that uh, Luke is or Luke Fickles uh, replacing six defenders on Cincinnati's defense. Um, you know, um, there's a speculation with the quarterbacks. You talked about how the the quarterbacks are just going to just simply just be, or you actually predicted that you you think they're going to be playing both of them, right? I do, I do think you see both uh, Ben Bryant and his uh, senior that's been with the program, um, but I also think you maybe see a little bit of some uh, calls in there or some uh, series where you see Evan Prater, you know, the new uh, uh, QB coming in that's got the, you know, the little bit more upside, as you've said before, um, I agree with. 
Uh, so I do see, I think you see both quarterbacks um, gives Luke Fickle a chance to see them both in action uh, and see who he feels is, you know, a better, um, the better QB to, to lead their team throughout that year. So um, my curiosity is, is, does Arkansas continue to build on the success they've had the last years uh, or can since he finally beat that sleeping giant, you know, that SEC opponent, the you know, last two years, uh, 2020, they lost to Georgia, uh, kept it close. But then last year in the in the college football playoffs, they you know they did really get manhandled by Alabama, which is just a whole different beast of an SEC team. So you know they're they're 0 and 2. So it's Arkansas is definitely not Alabama. So uh, again, I'm I'm rolling with the Hogs. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling them. Sam Pittman, KJ, uh, Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator. They're gonna be making some music together. Sorry that uh. That bourbon's coming back up. I had a hiccup a little bit. It's it's going to sneak up on you. Well, all right. So we've messed around. I know you're smiling. You're grinning because you know we're about to talk about the main headliner for this week. Everyone's been talking about it. One of the main reasons that I'm happy that you specifically are here for the week one chat. So, Zach, I will give you this. I will give this entire platform to you. You tell me everything there is to know or that I need to know or that I don't know about Ohio State against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mr. Myers, the floor is yours. Well, it is interesting. Yeah, this is uh, game number three, week one, where you got a top two top five, top 25 opponents. In this case, the first one that's two top five uh, preseason ranking teams going against each other week one. Um this is not Ohio State's first time of putting themselves in the position uh, week one, you know, or the second week to have this high quality of opponent. Um, for me, it is, you know, who comes out week one battle ready. Um, both programs are, are solid, um, have plenty of returning, you know, team members from the previous year. Um, however, you've got a new head coach for the Fighting Irish, Mark Freeman. Um, and if you want to go way back when, he's, he's an Ohio State is, former linebacker. Great. So, so. There is, you know, whether you want to say it or not, or whether he wants to say it or not, there's a little bit of sentiment coming back to Columbus, Ohio, coming in that shoe, um, trying to take on your your old team. Uh, so, uh, OSU, though, CJ Stroud, I, in my opinion, definitely a, I think he wins the, he's a very heavy favorite for the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, for me, a sleeper from Ohio State is uh, Jackson uh, Smith Najiba. Um, I think he is a, a stellar wideout for that program. Um, he is going to definitely make make a make some noise when it comes to the um, the finalists for the uh, candidate. I think he's one of my sleepers for the Heisman for this year. Um, but you know, last year Ohio State their their downfall and you know what cost them at the end of the day. Their defense just couldn't keep people putting right. points on the board. You know, it, luckily their offense was you know high powered enough to you know overtake most of those. Um, but you know, they had two losses, Oregon and Michigan, and both of those losses cost them that, uh, college football, uh, playoff chance. So, uh, what do they do to, to kind of override that and overturn that, you know, de- you know, that downfall for them? They bring in Jim Knowles out of OSU, the other OSU, uh, Oklahoma State University, who built a top 10, top defense in the program. Uh, so I think Jim Knowles coming in is a huge asset for Ohio State to, to, bring that defense back into contention to help um, the offense where they don't have to put up as many points. I'm sure they will still, but 
Uh, I think that defense is going to keep people, you know, off the scoreboard a little bit more this year uh, and allow the offense to really just kind of take control as well. Um, you know, interesting uh, quote by C.J. Stroud, who was a candidate last year. Uh, he made a comment this uh, in the offseason. He says, I feel like I barely touched my potential. I feel like I can do a lot more. Um, coming from someone who put up almost 4,500 yards on, on the through the air to four to four touchdowns with six picks, um, that to me says something that, you know, what is he? What more potential do you have to only have six picks, four to four touchdowns, and almost throw for 4,500 yards? Um, so he's coming out with, with a purpose this season, um, understanding that what happened last year, getting shellacked by Michigan or that team up north, I apologize. Uh, they don't have a name. Um, but getting that shellacking, um, getting, you know, missing the college football playoffs, not even having a chance to, you know, go to the national championship game. Um, they're, they're coming out with, with that, that purpose on their mind to, you know, beat the team up north, win that Big Ten championship again, and, and go in out and compete for that national championship. So, um, I, I know Notre Dame's a solid program. Uh, Ohio State is favored by 17 points here. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe Ohio State wins by 17. They win the game. Absolutely. Uh, no question in my mind. But I do think Notre Dame is a solid program, and that, that's too big of a line for Notre Dame. That They'll keep it within two scores, but uh, Ohio State wins it for sure. I'm with you. Uh, it's it's really hard to go against Ohio State. Uh, honestly, Zach, I think they even have a chance to go undefeated. Again, they're favored in every game, and they're, not, they're favored by double digits in every game. You know, you uh, highlighted two of their main playmakers. I'll highlight two more. Uh, their running back, Trayvon Henderson, is going to be a monster. For those that didn't really watch Ohio State last year, he was already making elite plays. And this year, it's, it's his backfield. And an underrated receiver that's going to really break out is uh, Marvin Harris Jr. And if that name sounds familiar for uh, all you old heads like myself and Zach, it should. It's, it's, it is the, the son of the former great, Indianapolis culture, <laughs> Marvin Harris, and he's going to pretty much just be the number two. I believe there's also some highly touted uh, re uh, freshman recruits and also uh, just incoming recruits. That's just a, a testament to how great Brian Hartline is as a coach and really all the talent that he draws in. Of course, Ryan Day is, you know, the offensive master mastermind and the mad genius. So, you know, the I think, yeah, what you already talked about as far as Jim Knowles coming over from Oklahoma State, the fact that he was able to have that good of a defense with a bunch of three and barely four stars and have them just competing and just believing in the level that they did. With Ohio State, he's just going to have better athletes. He's just going to have better personnel and better players. Um, I think, And I also think it starts with uh, their former five-star edge. Uh, just another edge to just add to the pipeline is uh, Jack Sawyer. So, you know, you had the Bosa brothers, Chase Young. I think Jack Sawyer is just going to be the next, just the next one to add to that list. It'll be interesting because, again, I think Ohio State will just be completely undefeated and just score many, many points. Um, with Marcus coming back, as you were saying, he's coming back to the shoe. Zach, put yourself in that situation. You're a first-time head coach. You're at a, a historic program. It's rated top five. You have an elite recruiting class already, but you're coming back to your old stomping grounds and you're reminded that there's 102,000 people all sitting together screaming. And even though they loved you as a player, they want to see you fail right? just at least right now. 
Just for at least for this three hours, they want to see you fail. You're Marcus Freeman. What are you thinking, man? What are you, what are you doing? What are you telling yourself? I mean, if I'm him, I'm telling myself that I, I got to keep my emotions in check as much as I can. You know, I can't let that atmosphere, you know, I can't get back into reminiscing, you know, of my days when I was an Ohio State player. It's my job as, as the head coach of the Fighting Irish now to, to push my team forward and, and bring them bring them to a victory. You know, albeit that it's against my alma mater and the school I played for, my job now as this head coach is, is to put up victories against you know, competitive teams like Ohio State, and that's that's what my job's got to be, and that's where my focus has got to be. Um, I'm not gonna lie though, it's, if I'm him, it's going to be a difficult challenge in, in itself on that mental state to keep yourself out of that, you know, reminiscing and be focused on what you've got to put on that on that field and that product, and you know, make sure your team's ready to go and that you you're calling you know, calling the best shots and. Give it, putting your team in position to you know win that game potentially. He knows Ohio State more than he knows Notre Dame from a player and coach perspective. You know, just I mean, this is I think his second year, like with uh, just being on the Notre Dame coaching staff, and then happen to you know now be the head coach. But what gives me what gives me some optimism about just Notre Dame and just feeling as though they may be they may be fine realistically because their uh, their their um, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. The moment Brian Kelly left, he was, you know, already uh, poked and prodded by a few other programs to come over. I believe even got a few head coaching interviews. Their defensive coordinator is a name by the name of Al Golden, the old uh, Miami coach. So just the fact that just having almost what seems like two head coaches on your staff really help. But yeah, like you said, you, you said it perfectly. Just, you know, keep everything in check. Focus on your players. Focus on the play call. Focus just everything just in between the lines. Don't don't even acknowledge don't even acknowledge the bench behind you. Like don't acknowledge anything. Just hell. Just look forward the entire time. And that's got to be tough, man. Again, because he he played at at Ohio State. He was great. He got his coaching started there. Uh, him and Luke Fickle. And then of course Luke Fickle gives him his chance at Cincinnati. You know, there's just so much to tie in there that. I mean, Marcus has got to at least have a thought in the back of his mind, just be like, you know, I really wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Ohio State. But again, I guess that's all about just, you know, keeping those emotions in check and really just kind of just literally just focusing on just competing. I, th- I think that the AP poll kind of gave him a little bit of a um, little bit of a break as far as breaking them into the top five. I think they're just doing that just because of just either the continuity coming back and the fact that they're already recruiting at a very high level. I think oh, I think it'll be the first top five team to fall, obviously, but and it'll probably push them down to maybe about like maybe twelve or fifteen, really depending on how big the loss is. I'm with uh, I am with uh, I'm sort of with you, just simply that it won't be seventeen points. I think it'll be probably around yeah, like fourteen or fifteen, like because that's just a you know just to keep it as respectable because if, if I'm Ryan Day too and I realize that yeah like I, I just have a better roster than Marcus Freeman in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish I also have a little bit of a compassion because it's like yeah that's a former Buckeye over there like that's a former like that that's a now starting head coach kind of getting his feet wet and in a historic program you know maybe not blow him out and run up the score but at least like put up enough points, make it respectable. Hell, maybe even give them a little bit of a fourth quarter possible garbage time comeback or garbage time points. 
I don't know, man. Uh, I know, I know it's a business with college football, but I also just think, you know, there is that a little bit of that emotional side and I can see that playing a big factor with Marcus Freeman and with Ryan day. I'm still going with Ohio state obviously, but I, I don't think it'll be as lopsided as everyone thinks it is. Now, if it is, there's a chance that I think that Notre Dame could really just come to a pretty much run into a brick wall as far as the aftermath of if they do get blown out. Because it's like now you're going to have to answer a lot of questions and a lot of people are going to be, you know, having a micro or, or a microscope on you because exactly I, I looked at Notre Dame's schedule and I'm legitimately wondering if they can actually compete to if they do at least just lose to Ohio state, can they at least compete to still be relevant, even though they're not in a conference yet, yet they need to be yet. So outside of obviously Ohio state, they have Clemson at home and they also have USC at USC and the USC game is a little bit further down the line. I believe it by that point, USC should be ranked pretty high. Cause again, it's toward the end of the season. And that just, I mean, Zach, if they have that type of resume, and especially if they only have one loss, and that one loss just happens to be Ohio State, who's undefeated, Heisman winner, and C.J. Stroud, I think there's a chance that they can even uh, tell Utah to kick rocks and we'll be the Cinderella story instead of them. I, I do think it's a chance, but they they got to keep, like you said, though, if they if they get blown out by Ohio State, yeah. uh I mean, it would take them. It's done. It would take them having a a miraculous game and, and really throttle Clemson, which I just don't think they would be able to do. Uh, Clemson's coming back, you know, with a little bit more vengeance this year that you know from last year, you know, not winning that national championship either. Um, and then USC, you know, if if it gets to that point where they do become ranked when they play them down the road, you know, that's another opportunity. But they got to really show up and show up. So if they get throttled by Ohio State, which I don't, I don't see happening. Um, but if they do, they've got a big uphill climb with just two potential opponents that are inside the top 25 that are relevant teams to make them a viable candidate for that committee to look at them and say, okay, they, they took a top two team, they, they were competitive at least, or this team went to number two and just got manhandled. You know, So that's it's one of those things. It's, it's how this game goes. If they lose, they still have a shot, but they just cannot lose by, you know, 21 points or more, you know, they lose by three touchdowns that they're, they're going to get out of that contention for, you know, pretty easily. They would have to uh, take Clemson or USC to an overtime, if not a double overtime and seal a victory to kind of make up for that. Like that's basically like getting an F, you know, you're going to have to obviously get an A to just kind of, you know, balance that out. So I feel like if they at least take one of those two teams to an overtime and definitely seal away a win, that could be an A to their F to start off with the with Ohio State. But man, I'm, it's it's late. I know you got things to do. I know you got kids to take to school in the morning. I know you got obviously every bit of your work this morning. So the last thing I'm just going to ask you, Zach, give me a. I think you already talked about it, but uh, give me a Heisman winner right now and give me a or give me the national champion right now, August thirty first, two thousand twenty two. Let me hear you, Zach Myers. Go. Uh, I I gotta go, CJ Stroud for the candidate for the Heisman. I, I, he came off of a solid finalist year last year. 
I think he's going to do nothing but, you know, improve on his stats. Um, you know, Bryce Young's got to improve on his from what he had to, to compete. And I just, I think CJ Stroud's got a better opportunity to improve year over year. Um, so I'm going CJ Stroud for the winner. Um, I will say, I, I do think Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama uh, is another contender that may even, you know, push above his teammate Bryce Young. Um, but I do think CJ Stroud takes it. Um, and I think maybe Will Anderson is right there behind him as a, as a close finalist as well. Um, national championship. This is a tough one. Uh, I do see it going down to Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, and over the years, Ohio State's number has been Alabama. Um, but I just, I think with the defensive, with Jim Knowles coming in, uh, CJ Shroud bringing into that as a third year um, into the program. Uh, you've, you've named several of the wide receivers. You know, uh, Jackson's uh, Smith Najiba is a stellar one. Marvis Harrison Jr., I think, is going to have a, an amazing year, even as a freshman. Um, with just his pedigree from his father, um, the NFL pro, and uh, you mentioned it too, Henderson, the running back. I just I think they've got all the pieces from from the offensive side, from the running the ball in the trenches uh, to opening up that passing game, and then that defense, which I think is just going to be elevated with because of Jim Knowles. I, I'm going to Ohio State this year. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that you have a bot, you have a clouded judgment, is what you're saying. Is, is well, you're saying it, but you're not saying it. I totally understand. But <laughs> hey, I, I've. I'm right there with you with uh, with Heisman winner. Uh, I'm sticking with C.J. Stroud. I just think just in also obviously from storylines, just there's a reason that only one person, former Ohio State alum, has has won the Heisman twice. It's hard to win it twice, and Bryce Young's already won it. C.J. Stroud and Zach. People forget that C.J. Stroud didn't have a great start to last season either. Like there was like a whole like what seemed like month where it was uh, where he was either getting benched or he just wasn't playing well, and he still put up the season that he did. And now he's coming in fully locked in and fully ready. So yeah, he could flirt with possibly five thousand yards passing as a college athlete. That's just the way the game is going, and that's just how. Much has how many weapons Ohio State has at its disposal if it needs. So I, I'm with you with uh, him winning the Heisman. I do see them going to the national championship. I do see that. I just see them losing to Alabama. But I get uh, just, uh, a quick little question: If uh, since you have uh, Will Anderson as at least a finalist, if he were to win, how many sacks per game? would he need to garner serious votes? My guess would be at least three a game. I was, I was between two and a half to okay. three and a half. I think as long as he's, as long as he, if he's in that range, I think he's, he's a, a he get puts himself in that at least serious contention and talk for, you know, you've got to at least really considered is, is his dominant performance on the defensive line, you know, and coming in there and disrupting that pass rusher, you know, or the the QB that many times a game, week in and week out, is I just feel like that's you've got to really fully consider him at that point, and and it could push him over the edge. You know, again, um, does CJ Stroud does he push that five thousand yard mark? Does he have a improve that touchdown versus interception ratio? I mean, if he does, it's you know, Will Anderson. I think you got to have looking at the pushing that three and a half three, three and a half stack to, you know, overcome that aspect because we all know it's a quarterback driven award, if you will. It's it's hard to overcome QBs for that award. It's 
pretty much the top QB of the right. of the nation. Um, the way I look at it. Um, so those other players, running backs, you know, wide receivers, defensive end, you know, and linebackers, they've really got to show out and, and put up crazy insane numbers to even get into that competition and into the talking points to even win it. So I think you're right, three, maybe three and a half, depending on the year that uh, CJ Stroud's having. Bro, even if he just gets two a game, at the end of the year, that's still 24 sacks. And if you're, like you said, if you're in the backfield and you're just disrupting disrupting plays where even if you don't make a tackle or a sack, like you just look like you just wrecked the play, like it's it's hard not to get uh, garner conversation, especially how everyone loved how your season was last year. Everyone, especially even draft experts, were saying if Will Anderson was eligible last year, there are chances that he could have been the number one overall pick. And and now he's just simply just coming back and just showcasing out more. It'll be fun to watch, that's for sure. But Zach, I want to thank you for hanging out with me week one, talking a little bit of ball. It's always good to get a little bit of your insight, and especially from an Ohio State fan. I know you got all the tasty nuggets and every bit of all the information that you drop. So what we usually do at the end of each episode is uh, we like to uh, just shout out our team. So uh, what Justin and Rob do is they say go birds. I say who that, but that's for our NFL pod. For our college pod, you simply, I guess in this case, it would be a go Buckeyes. Mine would be obviously a go Tigers in that very way. So Zach, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and give us a go Buckeyes. Uh, yeah, so my uh, Instagram and, and uh, all that is uh, Myers110, uh, and let's go Bucks. Thank you all for joining with us. Make sure to follow us on the social, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, tell your enemies. We look forward to having Zach back on for week three, so I hope you've enjoyed his voice. So he's going to just stay around just for a little while longer, but he obviously has week two to go in. And, of course, go Tigers! Go Tigers!